I want to be done. I, I get uh, my personality is is I, I'd say it's like a lot of us. We're we're fast starters and slow finishers. It's hard to finish. It's easy to start. But I'm ready. I'm ready to to be done. But I don't want to miss it. I feel like we've got some. I feel like I've got a good word today. So I don't want to get in too big of a hurry. But we've been talking for the last week, for the last three weeks. This is part four, I believe, of slowing down your day, slowing down your life, um, stopping and smelling the roses. My wife would, always, would very re- uh, um, regularly put on a little chalkboard, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. They go by so quickly. Uh, but we've been looking at how fast our lifestyle has gone compared to maybe our parents or our grandparents and how things have changed so much. And you think technology has just created all this time for us. No, it's done just the opposite. It's taken all this time from us. We think computers, we think all these things would just help us with our time. In fact, it's, it's worked just the opposite. But if you remember, we've been looking at culture changes, world culture changes, or counterculture changes, going against the grain, against what the world would say. But what does Scripture say about your day, how to slow down, how to, how to make it through your day spiritually, um, according to God's Word? And we've looked at three so far, and I'm going to go quickly. Number one is you've got to learn contentment. You know, Paul says, I've, I've learned to be content in every situation that I'm in. What does that mean? It just means that you trust God. It just means that you're okay with where you are. It may not be where you want to be, but you're okay with where you are. You're going to accept where you are. You don't have to have more to be happy. It doesn't have to be different to be happy. God's led you to this place today. And it's important that we're content in where we are today. It doesn't mean we don't have goals. It doesn't mean we don't strive to go forward. But as of right now, I'm content. I'm okay today. Number two. You've got to learn to listen before speaking. Man, am I a victim of that? It says to be listeners, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, quick to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak. Amen? Are you with me this morning? This rain, man, what about this weather? What is the deal? It's just flood after flood after hail after flood. I was in buying a newspaper this morning at 7 o'clock, and the guy said, well, they're calling for a a big storm through today. I said, well, what else is new? Isn't that every day? Man, this is Tennessee. It doesn't rain like this in Tennessee, Not, not, not to this level. What's going on? Lord, what are you doing? What are you trying to say to us? Let us hear your voice. The Lord's speaking, by the way, church. What is he saying? Next, obey the fourth commandment. Do you remember what this one is? The Sabbath, we are to honor the Sabbath. We are to, we are commanded to take a day off. I don't know if, if, if you've been like me, but sometimes I even see the Ten Commandments and I forget their commands. That may sound so uh, elementary to you, but you forget taking the Sabbath is not an option. It's a command. Do we believe, do we trust, do we follow God and His Word and His Spirit? then we must listen to his commands. Amen? They're for our benefit. They're for our protection. They're for our health. They're for our success. God's a God of success. God's a God of breakthrough. He's not a God of taking things away from you to be mean. 
No, he's a God of saying, you don't need that because it's going to hurt you. I want to protect you from that. Obeying the fourth commandment, taking a day off. Now, today, we're going to pick up right here. Hopefully, we're going to cover four and five. Pause and pray before deciding. I'm talking about the decisions that you have on a regular basis. When I pause and pray on a decision, I don't wait a year before deciding. I'm talking about 10 seconds, 15 seconds. You may be in the middle of a board meeting or a committee meeting or a manager's meeting or an employee meeting. And you might, this is going to sound kind of funny, you might just shoot up a little microwave prayer. I don't have time to get on my knees and weep and, and, and have a long drawn out time. No, I need your answer now. You remember the kings, I, I love, I believe it was Jehoshaphat that, you know, all these, all these wise men, all these wise men had said, go and attack this enemy. He and another king were joining together, he said, go and attack. And Jehoshaphat said, sure, it sounds good, let's go. But wait a minute, has anybody talked to a man of God? Has anyone talked to a man, to, talked to a prophet that we can seek the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And he said, yeah, the other king said, yeah, I know of, that, of a man like that, but I don't like anything he has to say. I'd rather go listen to the people that I want to hear what I, that I, I hear what I want. They tell me what I want to hear. And Jehoshaphat said, nope, no, 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 let's go check this guy out. And sure enough, he gave them wise counsel. But, you know, they'd already made their decision, but Jehoshaphat said, wait just a minute. Let's just take this one last step and let's ask. Let's seek the Lord. Do you remember with David when they were having three years of famine? And finally David said, something's not right. Let's seek the Lord. You're in the middle of about to make a decision on your job. You're about to make a decision with your kids. Stop just a minute and seek the Lord. If you've only got five seconds to make a decision, take that five seconds to pray. I'm going to give you scripture. I'm going to give you scripture. Just a little prayer says, God, what do you want me to do in this instance? What should I do right now? And God, help me make the right decision. And you wait. But you know what? You don't tell anybody this. You're not sitting in your board meeting and say, excuse me a minute, excuse me a minute, let me pray. No. You keep your eyes wide open. You keep looking at the person that you're dealing with. And you, you, you speak to the Lord in your mind. Do you know you can do that? I think it's much more effective to speak out loud, but you know what? It has shown us that we can pray in our mind. And we just seek the Lord. They ask you a question for a decision. Don't even blink your eyes, just in a split second. What do you want me to do, Lord? Give me wisdom. The reason you do this is to get perspective. Do you know that you'll think of it differently when you stop for just a minute? And not say the first thing that comes to your mind. It gives you perspective. Today everybody wants an answer fast. It's really not that important. Do you know 50 years from now people aren't going to say, did Pastor Paul make his decisions quickly? Was he a fast decision maker? Nope. They're going to say, did he make smart decisions? How did he lead church on the hill? Not how quickly did he come to an answer. But how did he lead? It's not how fast you make the decision. And you know what? You don't want to use praying as an excuse. You know what? I'll pray about it. I've done that. 
It's a cop-out to procrastination sometimes. Some of you have been praying about a decision for multiple years or months that should have taken about 15 seconds. You pray about it and then you do it. One of, one of, one of the scriptures that really surprised me when I first saw it is when the children of Israel were, were sitting before the, the Jordan was about to be opened up and they were afraid and here comes the enemy. And they had been praying, they'd been praying, they'd been praying. And the waters hadn't opened up yet. And God opened up the waters and, and all of a sudden they wanted to pray again. And what did God say? I've said this to you a hundred times, I bet. God said to, to Moses, stop praying and start marching. I've already, the waters are opened. What else do you need? Go. You've prayed. I've answered. Now go. We sang the song this morning. You called, I answered. Now we move. It actually, it's the, new, it's the living translation. They don't even make it anymore. The new living changed it. But it said, stop praying, forward march. I love that. I love that. Not that we need to stop praying. Absolutely not. But there comes a time when we need to move. But in that pausing and praying before you decide to slow down, your life starts becoming more manageable. Look at this scripture here. Proverbs chapter 19 says, zeal without knowledge is not good. Let me explain this. Zeal is enthusiasm. Being enthusiastic without getting all the facts is dumb. You say, let's do this. That project sounds great. That opportunity sounds fantastic. I'm enthusiastic about it. Enthusiasm without the facts first, without knowledge, is not wise. Let me give you a couple quick stats, just for fun. Has anybody ever heard of the, the uh, person named Roy Regals? This old, old guy, 1929 in the Rose Bowl. Uh, in Pasadena, Roy Ringles recovered a football and ran 65 yards in the wrong direction. And he would have scored if his own teammate hadn't have tackled him. Anybody ever heard of the name Jim Marshall? A little bit more familiar. In 1964, Minnesota Vikings playing the 49ers. Jim Marshall recovers the ball and runs 67 yards in the wrong direction and scored for the opposing team. This is a professional player. It happens to everyone. Doug Corrigan, anybody ever heard of Doug Corrigan? Doug Corrigan, a pilot in 1938, he was going to fly from New York to Long Beach in the fog. He takes off, and 26 hours later, he lands in Ireland. How quickly we can make mistakes. Make mistakes. Zeal or enthusiasm without knowledge is not good. You move too quick, you may move in the wrong direction. You know, God has signs for you all the time. He speaks to you all the time through circumstances, through other people, through your husband, through your pastors, through your wife, through all kinds of circumstances. God just says, if you'll just listen to me, I'll tell you in advance that that business idea is a dead end, that that project is a loser that that deal you're about to make isn't going to work, or it is going to work. I'm putting up signs all around you, but because you're going so fast, you're missing the signs, and you're going to waste a lot of time and money. God is trying to speak to you, trying to help you out, but we're in such a hurry. The same scripture right here in another translation, in God's words translation says, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. Mistakes. 
Have you ever had to redo work because you've gone too fast? Have you ever heard that if you don't do it right the first time, you'll end up taking more time doing it again? You get too tired and you get in too big of a hurry. Look at Proverbs chapter 20. It says, an impulsive vow is a trap. Later, you'll wish you could get out of it. An impulsive vow. Do you see that if you move impatiently, you are setting yourself up for mistakes? If you move too quickly? Have you ever heard this? It's easier to get in than it is to get out. Be careful about making impulsive vows and commitments. An impulsive vow is a trap. Later, you'll wish you could get out of it. And it's always easier to get in than out. How many knows it's easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt? How many would agree that it's easier to get into a relationship than it is to get out of it? How about into trouble than it is to get out of it? It's easy to get into trouble, isn't it? How many would agree it's easier to gain weight than it is to lose it? How many would agree it's easier to fill your schedule than it is to fulfill your schedule? It's easy to make commitments. It's hard to fulfill them. What is God saying? To think, to ponder before promising, before deciding. Consider your commitments prayerfully and carefully before you decide. Pray. Pray and seek before deciding. And you know what? It'll slow your life down a little. There's a lot I could do with my life. It doesn't mean I should do them. It doesn't mean I'm called to do them. It doesn't mean it's God's will for me to do them. The other thing I've learned that as you keep adding things to your schedule, you better learn to remove things. Every time you add add something, add something new to your activity schedule, to your schedule, you better take something off. You can't just keep adding and adding without taking off. If you're going to put on a new hat, you've got to take off an old hat. A mark of leadership is knowing what to stop, what to cut out, what to eliminate. You know, you can have so many irons in the fire that you put the fire out. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. You're going to burn out. Let's be honest. How many of us have a hard time saying no? When I see an opportunity, I want to go for it. Great. Let's look real quick at when you're facing with an opportunity. What can you ask yourself when you've got an opportunity before you? Biblically, what can we ask ourselves? Number one, is it worth it? Is it worth it? When you're facing an opportunity, the first thing you ask is, is it worth it? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy? Is it worth my effort? Is it worth my reputation? Is it worth my money? Is it worth my life? Do you know every time you agree to do something or to take on something, you're exchanging your life for it? Your time is your life. When you go home this afternoon and you watch an hour-long TV show, you will have just given your life an hour to that episode, 
is it worth it? I'm not here to come against TV. I could, I could preach that for all year. Garbage in, garbage out. Was it worth it? You need to consider, am I willing to give up a part of my life, which I'll never get back for this TV program or anything else? How much will it matter? You ask yourself, is it worth it? How much will it matter in five years? How much will it matter in ten years? How much will it matter for all eternity? A lot of things that we give our lives to don't even matter the next week. How do we know if it's worth it or not? This is one of my favorite scriptures. As a business person, James chapter 1 is one of my favorite scriptures. Let's see if we can get there. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you needs wisdom to know what you should do, you should ask God and he will give it to you. Is that just pastors? Is that just Christians that's been serving the Lord for 50 years? Who is it? Any of you. Do you need an answer? Ask. Ask. You sing the song, I called, you answered. Have you called? You can sing the song, it makes you feel good inside, but have you called? Because he'll answer. I call, I call, he answers. His word right here says, if I'll call, he'll pick up. He won't slide the decline button or ignore. I think they've gotten a little bit gentler on our phones. Now it's decline. We feel a little bit weird pressing ignore. Not so much decline. Not God. God's got spiritual call waiting. Multiple lines. He will answer. Anyone here ever called on God and God not answer? He will answer. That's going to lead me right into my next point, but don't don't let me jump ahead. Is it worth it? The second thing you ask. You know, I want to go back to that scripture. I'm going to wind up wasting, not wasting my time, but I'm going to have to be careful not to go too big on a tangent. Another way that that the word of God puts that is, he won't make you feel dumb for asking. What does that mean? It means there's not a dumb question. He won't make you feel bad for what you ask for. He won't make you feel guilty for asking. He says, ask, and I'll answer. Isn't that good? When you, let's see, let me not jump ahead. Second thing you ask, is it worth it? Next, what am I going to give up? What am I going to give up? in order to do this new thing. You can't just keep adding and adding. You know, how many of you have a to-do list? I got them, I got them on my phones, I got them on my computer, I got them on sheets of paper on my desk, I got them everywhere. I love lists. Because you know what, I'll, I'll mark them off, I'll get them done. But I want to give you an encouragement. How about starting a to-don't list? I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going down this road. You ought to know what you don't do in life. Nobody's good at everything. You figure it out. What am I good at? What am I shaped by God to do? And what do I like to do? What does God want me to do? You need to know what to do. You need to know what not to do. Why? Because you know what? I'd rather have my time for this. I'd rather have my time for that. This means more to me. This is important to me. You know, we've just come out of VBS, and we have asked a lot of everyone. 
And I know we've all come out of here saying, man, I'm glad I'm not at church tonight. (laughs) We said that last night, Saturday night. I'm glad I'm not at church tonight. We've been here all week. You know, we get perspective of our day. Many of you that have been here every night eating and here till 9 o'clock, and then we were here late Friday night. But you know what? We had these children gave their hearts. We had so many come up and just were ready to just say, I want to give my life to the Lord. It's worth it. It's worth it. But you know what? We end the week and we're wore out. We're wore out. Is it worth it? What's it going to cost me? Those of you that served in VBS, it cost you a lot. But I want you to know God's reward is good. What matters to me most? If you don't know what matters most, other people will decide it for you. You're going to be manipulated by others. God, what matters most to me and you? So we ask, is it worth it? What am I going to give up? And the third thing is you've got to learn to say no. Everybody say no. You can't say no to me, but anybody else. I say no a lot more times than I say yes. Saying no is the greatest time saver ever. Two little words, no. It's like the anti-drug statement. Just say no. It doesn't just work for drugs. It works for a pathetic lifestyle. Some of you are addicted to speed, and I don't mean methamphetamines. I mean you're addicted to the speed of life, the adrenaline. You don't know how to slow down. Elizabeth and I, my family, lives a very fast-paced life, but we've got to learn to slow down. Africans, I've, I've heard a statement that Africans say that Americans wear their watches, but Africans have the time. Let that sink in. Americans wear watches, but Africans have the time. It is a completely different lifestyle. Peter Sozi told me when I got over there, he said, Pastor, you're just going to have to realize we will not move fast. It will be very slow. And when you think we're leaving at one time, it'll probably be two hours later. Just prepare yourself. Because he knows me. Where's the next thing? We better start on time. We better get done on time. He's like, forget it. We may have a three-hour church service. We may not even start for three hours later. Like, that doesn't sound scriptural. Then you see miracles. Then you see lives changed. And you realize God has a timing. That leads me right to this last thing. You know, so many of us, we, have, we go on so many diets. We need on an activity diet. We've got to cut back, intentionally slow down. Now, number five, and I'm going to close right here. So we've done the four things. Let's see if I can remember all four. We learn, learn to be content. We listen before speaking. We obey the fourth commandment. And we pause and pray before deciding. Number five. Counterculture change. This is my last one, and I am almost done. Hallelujah. Number five, trust God's timing. Learn contentment. Listen before speaking. Obey the Sabbath. Pause and pray before deciding. And if you're serious about slowing your life down, you've got to learn to trust God's timing. If discontent is one cause of hurry, and it is, then impatience is the other cause, and it's saying, God, I really don't trust you. I don't think you have my best interest at heart. 
You don't even know that I need it or that I'm in a hurry. It is a lack of trust in God. You get worried, you get hurried because you don't trust God and at the, at the right time in the right way. And you struggle. You struggle. Is fast always better? No. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10. says, God does everything just right and on time. Look in your bulletins. If you've got your bulletins, I believe that this is the scripture I've given you. Can anybody tell me? God does everything just right and on time. Is that in your bulletin? If you don't mind, you may not want to, you may not keep your bulletin, but I want you to circle that just right and on time. This is from the New Century Version, so I didn't think that maybe you'd come in here with that version, but at least you've got this to take home with you. Just right and on time, but people... Oh, I spelled it wrong. Look at that. Technology. It's all me. But people... I didn't hear that from the peanut gallery over there. But people can never completely understand what he's doing. Can anybody say amen to that? God has a plan for your life. Do we agree with that? For I know the plans I have for you. We don't have any problem with that. But can I tell you something else? In God's plan, God has a timing. God has a timing. He has a timetable for your life. He doesn't just have a plan. He has a timetable. Here's the rub. God never explains his timetable. Doesn't that just upset you sometimes? Isn't it so painful when you're in a hurry and God's not? Part of maturity is growing up. Children have to learn the difference between no and not yet. Can I give you a word today? A delay is not a denial. A delay is not a denial. And as an adult follower of Jesus Christ, we've got to learn that. A delay is not a denial. God knows the right time and the right way. He has a plan and a timetable. You know, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, when are you going to come back to earth? And what did Jesus say? None of your business. That's what he said. They asked him again, when are you coming back? It's not for you to know the time or the seasons. What's he saying? He's saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the whole world. What's he saying? They're wanting to talk about end times. They're wanting to talk about prophecy. Jesus is saying, let's talk about evangelism. Let's talk about winning these 40 that just came up. None of your business. Let's talk about evangelism. When's Jesus coming back? You know what he said? No man knows the day nor the hour, neither the angels nor the Son, capital Son, but only the Father which is in heaven. Jesus says, I don't even know. I don't even know. If Jesus Christ didn't know, what makes you think man knows? Something I've learned is when someone predicts the end, that's one, that's one day I know he's not going to come back. We can all mark that day off. Not that one. Not even the sun knows it. 
We stop focusing on when he's coming back. You know, it is good to be thinking. The Lord says to be preparing the way. But the day does not matter. If we are prepared, we will be ready. If we are looking, if we are working, if we are looking to our Lord, walking and trying our best to walk in righteousness and according to his word, we're not going to miss it. I don't have to worry about it. If I'm worried about missing it, there's something else going on in my life. Can anybody amen that? We saw these clouds. We've had such wonderful kind of sun and clouds mix. It's been very bizarre looking, but we had these the silver lining shining through and then the sun shining through. We have such a great vision up here. And I had these kids from the basketball team in the car and one of them said, I wonder if that looks like the cloud Jesus is coming back on. I love that. We're supposed to be looking for him. And I love to imagine what kind of cloud is Jesus going to be coming on? I think it's going to make these uh, 3D movies look like a joke. I can't wait. Can you imagine Jesus' cloud? I don't think we've seen one like it yet. It's going to be something. If you're really interested in Jesus coming back, it says, and the gospel shall be preached to all the world and every nation, and the end shall come. So what should we do to, to, to further the kingdom, to get Jesus to come back? Get the word out. That's our job. God's timing is perfect. Perfect. Habakkuk chapter 2, these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. The vision that God has, has given you, that hasn't happened yet, it will happen. It will happen. You've got to learn to trust God and slow down and stop complaining. It will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Will you pray with me? You know, in NASCAR races, those cars have a pace car out in front of them to to set the pace before they start. We have someone that will set the pace of our life if we will so seek. And his name is Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. He died for your breakthrough. He went to the cross to provide every need you could have. As we close this series, would you slow down? And would you seek the Lord? It is the most important decision that you can make in all areas of your life. Slow down and seek the Lord. I have made so many mistakes in my life because I did not do that. God is faithful. God is a God who answers. He's a healer. He's a restorer. He's a deliverer. He's a redeemer. Would you slow down? And just right now where you sit, just seek the Lord. Lord, I'm having problems in this area. 
Give me wisdom. We're so stretched beyond capacity. We're tired. Everything in our life says more, go harder, go faster. As a church family, as a group of people trying to support one another, let's make a counterculture decision together. Jesus, we want to enjoy the life you've given us and not just endure it. Help us to bring sanity and simplicity back into our lives. Help us to have time for the most, relation, the most important relationship, and that's the relationship with you. That's the relationship with each other. That's the relationship with our church family. But Lord, the most important relationship is our relationship to you. Father, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for our church where you can speak. Help us to slow down and live more. Help us to learn contentment and stop comparing ourselves to others. Father, help us to learn to listen before speaking and to pray and seek before deciding. To obey your commands, Lord, and to take a Sabbath, to take a day of rest. And to, Lord, to learn to trust your timing. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, my life is falling apart. I want to encourage you. God's timing is perfect. He has brought you here today to start you on the right path. And that path is a pathway to Him. To lay everything else down for this moment and to seek the Lord. It says in Matthew 6.33, to seek. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. What does that mean? Seek the Lord and His ways. And he'll take care of everything. Would you do that this morning? You may have a health need. You may have a relationship need. You may have a financial need. Step up. Let your first step this morning be a step out in faith. And let us pray for you. Those that are ministering, come on down. Let us pray together. I just want to ask you to stand up. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I've never received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Today is the day. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. If that's you, I want you to step out and let us pray with you this morning, right now, in Jesus' name, amen.